Welcome to the Gritty Girl Podcast. I am uh, your host, Christina Lee, and I'm doing something a little bit different today. I don't have Leslie Campbell with me, my co-host. Today, uh, I want to talk about something that many of you can uh, relate to, and I'm bringing in two special people to me. Uh, one is my brother-in-law, Fei Shu, and another is a dear friend, Tiffany Brown. And we're going to talk to you about something that we had a really interesting conversation around, and it is this concept and the idea of child-led learning and parenting uh, versus kind of, you know, the, the conventional parent-led learning. So I want to say hi to both my guests. Hi, Faye. Hi, Chris. Hi. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, let's say hi to Tiffany. Hi, Christina. Hi, Tiffany. You were on the show before. Hey. Yeah, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> but let's let's jump in. So, you know, when I think about child and and how did we jump into this conversation you know it was a text it was a long text session that we had um and it was really thought-provoking um tiffany had asked this question and uh tiffany has um a a she is now two or three tiffany three she's three now yeah Mm -hmm. and tiffany is one of those parents who is very curious and very open um and is always asking questions around her parenting something i i greatly admire and so she was asking this question uh around you know does hands-off parenting lead to confident children and i think so what we have here is um tiffany who's raising a toddler and we have faye and i who are raising teenagers. We each have 12-year-old boys as well as 14-year-old boys. Uh, And Tiffany has a three-year-old girl, uh, Bryn, such a cutie. Um, And so is that, are we hearing her now or is that, is that Faye's? Faye has three boys and he also is raising a toddler. So they, uh, Faye really has the gamut uh, and the range of experience. uh, Yes, yeah, that was memeing. So um, it, my first thought, you know, when I, when I look at this topic of child-led learning and parenting is how counter that is to our instincts today. Uh, right. Yeah, in the way that we, in, our, in the way that our society raises children. And this is even true for parents who are quite thoughtful around this question, Right. So it is. yeah, it is very different. yeah, this idea of child-led learning and parenting. So, uh, Tiffany, why did this um, come up for you, and what is your idea around it? So, so, what led to the question that we we the conversation that we had was the book I was reading that the book Free to Learn, and um, the author definitely has his own point of view. And it's triggered a lot of questions around how much should I step back because it is countercultural and it's definitely led to a bit of an inner struggle (laughs) how to approach this because this isn't, this is not how we do things in society, right? We're, you know, active parents, we're involved. We we're here to tell our kids what they need to do. (laughs) I mean, that's our job, right? So reading something that's saying, Hey, tell them less. I agree. Started yeah. to present a lot yeah, of questions. And, and I would also say from a, even a, you know, uh, from a cultural standpoint, right? So for, from a, with an Asian background, you know, the whole 
depends all parenting is certainly not the how we're brought up and how our parents you know, educated us or raised us. Right. So that's also a, a very much of a struggle for for me personally, uh, for, for my wife and I personally. Like, yeah. And but these questions are are critical. These questions are critical. Um, as you know, we ask we ask these questions because we feel a change and a shift in our society. You know, as we yeah. become more technology based, as you know, globalization has thrust in our faces the the changing environment, the rapid changing environment of work and what that is, and the stability or instability of of jobs. Um, and how do you how do you raise a child that's ready? So there's a lot of fear that comes into play, you know, for parents. So the question that comes up, you know, is well, why is so the person you're talking about in the book that you're reading is free to learn, uh, Dr. Peter Gray. He's really, uh, you know, in the homeschool environment, he is quite uh, known um, for parents who are looking for an alternative way to educate their kids. And I think that this question is really topical now as we are in the midst of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and parents are, uh, you know, educating at home, uh, some still using uh, school curriculum, doing distance learning, and others who have decided to just drop out of that system and, you know, do homeschooling. So, you know, I'll bet some are asking that question, right, of how should I do this? I mean, the world is my oyster. how should I teach my kids? And so he's advocating for a play-based uh, learning approach uh, and a child-led learning approach. Um, and, you know, as a parent, what are my thoughts around that? I think I have a, a lot of fear around it. I mean, honestly, I feel – and I've, I've played with this um, question um, because I did homeschool my children for three years in grades three, four, and five for one child – um, no, four, five, and six for one child, and two, four, three, let's see, two, three, and four for another child. And they both went back to school about two years ago. So this will be their third year um, back in school this fall. So I actually knew about Dr. Peter Gray, and I had wrestled with this question of um, what kind of curriculum should I use with them? And, you know, those fears of even if I am brave, um, and I try to let them um, dictate their learning. I have several things that, that come in that kind of conflict with that. One is my own background because um, I was raised, you know, Asian also in an Asian home like Faye. And uh, the, the other is society, which has um, also a conventional idea around how our kids um, should be raised. Most kids believe in schooling, traditional schooling, and not homeschooling. Um, And then there are my own ideas of wanting to be brave and trying uh, new things, as Dr. Peter Gray mentions, Um, but then feeling that society isn't ready for a child like that. Um, And so... You know, I was really afraid of uh, going down that road. And so ultimately, I chose to go with a more, I chose a classical approach, which is kind of going back to even Greek-inspired of, you know, memorization of, um, you know, of, yeah, there's memorization and kind of a Socratic approach of, you know, doing a lot of, um, like, Q&A and discussion uh, and discussion Mm -hmm. of ideas. But that's not that's not really child led, right? It's not. 
um, he's talking yeah, about something right. quite quite uh, revolutionary, even though he says it's not. Um, he goes back to, he says that this harkens back to the hunter-gatherer approach of um, of teaching kids, which is, now you're reading the book, so if you can do a, like a one-minute quick of what that is, Tiff. Of the approach or? Of hunter-gatherer, like what? what is that? What is he talking about? Oh, so not he, that you're, he, you know, just from a parent yeah, reading this book, right? You're like, you know. So, um, and I wish I could remember there were very, there were three principles that he really honed in on as far as that the culture of the hunter gatherers. But the one that I have really been thinking a lot about was how important autonomy is within the hunter gatherer culture. And hunter gatherers meaning what they were, just the way our ancestors pre, you know, pre, uh, gosh, what, pre-farming, pre-agriculture, the way that they operated. Um, one of the things he, he observes in even your modern day hunter-gatherer communities that are more isolated, um, aut- autonomy is extremely, extremely important to them, which leads into why there is so much child-led learning within their community. So, so yeah, so ultimately, what is uh, Peter Gray's goal? You know, he says we should do this because we're going to raise what kind of kids? So his whole premise is kids are self-sufficient. That, they're, that, that it's not just children. Species across the board have natural instincts about what, they're, what they can and can't do. Um, we instinctually know how to self-regulate. And that by taking a step back, we give more opportunity for discovery and learning mm-hmm. and that we are potentially stifling our children by putting so much input into their decision-making and how they do things. And mm-hmm. he's basically saying, let's back off a lot, honestly, for our current culture and let kids explore through play i mean his whole point is the play is learning it is exploration it's self-exploration exploration through play and that even more importantly memorization happens through play because if we observe kids do things repeatedly and they're learning in that in that process so um you know he really delves into how crucial it is to allow our children to learn for themselves and explore for themselves and educate themselves in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Guidance from us, but not so much feedback. Mm -hmm. And so what questions did you have when you were reading that? Did you, did you, a lot of questions popped up for you or were you like, yes, that makes a lot of sense for me. For, for Brent. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I, I had already to some extent already been on the, on, the path that he is suggesting, it's just even more um, revolutionary than what I had initially been thinking. Um, But the the biggest question, the big struggle now is it's not how we operate in the society. So how do you, what do you do with that? You know, our school system isn't set up that way. Um, Here's a simplistic discussion. Do you say nothing to your child when they're climbing up the slide? 
well, that's not what the way you, that's not how you use a slide. Isn't that what we tell our kids? This is the right way to do something. But what if the slide is a mountain for them and they're exploring how to use their legs? Am I hindering my child by telling her how something is done versus letting her be creative and explore her body, explore her own physicality? Well, if she's in a daycare, that's not the socially acceptable way of doing something. There is much more Mm -hmm. direction and feedback. Or even even at a playground, right? Other parents may say, hey, you need to let your kids all there so that my kids can slide. Oh, yeah. The stigma. The stigma. You're a bad parent because you're you're not. (laughs) Your child is breaking the rules and you're not letting her. I know. Yeah. It's what do you do with that? Because there's definitely a lot of judgment happening there. And, and we have, you know, there's so many strong opinions around how this should be done. And we're defining ourselves by how good of a report of a job we're doing. So it's, this is, it's definitely an inner struggle. And, um, but what is it, but the, on the struggle? Flip side of it, like, yeah. What is the struggle? Why yeah. do you, so to back up a little bit, the part that I had not brought up, what has really, really, really led me down this path, um, and my personal fear, which probably would not be the same as a lot of other families to some extent, is the rise in anxiety that I see in our, our youth. Um, and the list, I think I'm saying this right, the listlessness that people talk about with the, is it the millennials? There's not having any direction or sense of purpose. And I, I keep asking myself the question, what is it about how we're parenting, how we're doing things in our society that is leading to this behavior, um, that's leading to the anxiety that we see in our youth? Because I definitely, every, I mean, people are saying it, it's on a rise. I definitely see a lot of anxiety in, in our young, I mean, young, young kids. And why is that? Why is anxiety spiking? And a part of me thinks is the kids don't have confidence. They don't, they're not self-assured. And I speculate. Ooh, we lost both our guests. All right. Let's see if we can bring them back. Hang on. All right. Dropped call, but we're back. Okay. Faye, Tiffany. All right. So we were talking about, well, Tiffany was talking and you were talking about anxiety and the rising level of anxiety and what is causing that, you know, the fact that uh, we're, you know, helicoptering our our kids and they're, you were saying that um, I think one of the key things is the lack of um, self-confidence, which is, is partly through the lack of self-sufficiency. Yes. Right. So, you know, okay. So that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. So if we get into it and talk about like our own kids, Right. I mean, do you, Faye, do you, what do you see in your teenage boys that um, makes this true? I mean, would you say that that is the case, what Tiffany is saying? I mean, are you worried about anxiety in your kids? I do. I do. So so, uh, I happen to believe that, you know, confidence is probably the number one, uh, number one thing that will guide them. Right. So I definitely see a lot of anxiety. And and, and what's hard to to tell is, you know, it's, two boys right i have two boys one is 14 the other one 12 
and the fourteen-year-old is emotional by nature, so definitely have a you know, kind of sense with him a heightened sense of uh, anxiety. Uh, not so much for the twelve-year-old. There's anxiety, but you know, but I, I don't know if that's unusually high anxiety. Uh, I think he, for the most part, he's pretty laid back, and and I don't know if he has so much anxiety. But uh, so, how much of that is personality, right? And how much of that is? I feel like I have a fairly heightened sense of anxiety as a parent, right? So how much is it driven by by my wife and I being anxious about them, right? Mm-hmm. And and then just you know, the other one is is just generally, you know, the society today, most day to day the things that we hear doesn't instill confidence, <laughs> right? There's 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 a lot of divisions and and, and so it's oh you're saying right really the political climate I, I yeah correct. I mean, I, I think of myself growing up as always thought myself as a very, very confident, maybe even to the extreme confident of a, as a child. And frankly, if I was raised in the environment today, I'd probably be pretty anxious. You know, hearing hearing, hearing the things that, that, that I hear all day long, I would be, I'll be anxious as well. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big issue. Right. It's um, it's hard to to uh, to categorize or or. or compartmentalize that word that anxiety all come from probably you know all the above yeah and the anxiety that you're seeing now can be very situation based but you know the anxiety that you see in them that you believe came from the way that you parented um i'm sure that so the question is are you seeing anxiety that comes from the way that you parented along the way since you know one is 12 and one is 14 now now you do have a a five-year-old that you can you know kind of not go back and fix but you can fix right some of the mistakes that you made as a parent that may have contributed to anxiety to the older two that you can you know choose to not do now and so I think that's really valuable Faye you and your position because I have a 12 and 14 year old but I don't have a toddler and so I know the mistakes I made early on that caused the anxiety in my two boys. And I can talk about them in a moment, but I want you to explore a little bit, um, you know, that question. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So we're, you know, both, uh, we're, we're doing things a little bit differently with the five-year-old being, you know, there's a, there's a gap of quite a bit of gap between, between the older two boys and the younger ones. And then we see, you know, how much we're hovering when, especially the 14-year-old, you know, at, three, four, five years of age and how much we were, you know, piling some pressures on him too. So we completely scaled back and and with with the youngest one, he's much more of a not completely, right, but he's much more of a child life scenario. We we you know, one good example, we were we were over at uh, my uh, my parents' house and I had just bought them a a uh, uh, cycling, so spin cycle, uh, for, for my dad. And Obviously, the first thing that, you know, at the time he was three, three-year-old does is climb on top of it and start playing with it. And my, my parents immediately went, oh, no, 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 you should do that. I said, no, no, I'm dead, back off. You know, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be fine. So I'm just standing, well, about two steps apart from him and just let him play. And he spent time climbing up and down and did, did, did his little little thing. And it was great, great. And so that kind of style, I think we're doing much more of it. And so uh, Helen... I want to a lot more of the giving him, you know, guiding him on reading, doing some math with him. Because I can see her style is a lot more compared to, to the older boys, a lot more laid back, a lot more of a, here's to introduce a concept, but 
but you, you should do this. And, and I see how scale back and step back on how see how he does it. And then every now and then, you know, do another product. So I can see that we're doing a lot more coaching, if you will, type of scenario, but less of a, you must do this, do this now, right? Type of a, uh, approach. And, and, and he appears to be very confident right now. He's a uh, very happy kid, very confident, but uh, you know, again, how much of this is GC's natural personality? You know, like my the twelve year old, we were probably pretty very much of a you had to do this, you had to do this now type of a style and, and, and I think he's fairly confident and he's a pretty happy child as well. And so so certainly there's there's a lesson to, to learn here, right? Um uh, so 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 we're embracing that approach of uh, a lot more. I think that the, the hard part is to know where to draw that line. Mm-hmm. Because we're still, you know, right now with the youngest one, uh, we're, we're, still, we're, we're still sort of laying out a, a bit of a curriculum that our, from our thoughts what he should learn, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then working with him uh, on those, right? It's not a completely, of a, oh, you know, he'll know what he wants to learn and we'll just follow. Um, so I, I, don't, I actually don't know how that would work once you're at, yeah, I think if you're, if they're, they're in the preschool age, the pure exploring stage, that's one thing. But once you're in that state, school age, how do you engage in a realistic, actionable, child-led learning environment? Right? And if, if the child has no interest in science, do you just completely say, oh, science is not important and, and just not do it at all? Or that's, you know, that's the type of things to still... Um, yeah, I think those are really good that. questions. Yeah, and, you know, for parents who... I think that, um, you know, so when you say that, you know, that question of, well, do we do um, science at all? You know, we, we can bring in, um, we can bring in kind of this idea that, uh, you know, Peter Gray talks about, like, uh, these schools that are child-led schools. Um, and, you know, they believe that if you let the kids lead, for example, if they were going to build a, um, let's make something simple, they're going to build a desk, you know, like a long desk for everyone. Well, as they make that desk, they need to measure and when they measure and they figure out how many seats are going to, you know, be a part of that table, how many workspaces are going to be there, they're going to have to do division. And as they work that out, they have to figure out well, how many kids are in the school or in the class. And so he's saying that they can learn these disciplines through um, the interest that the child has. So if they want right. to build, they're going to learn not only – see, the way that we have school now is that we divide it so that kids think that these disciplines are separate. They're really not. In the real right. world, it's really all together. You know, As you make that desk, you need to use math. You need to use psychology. You need to use um, – uh, you need to communicate in order to um, uh, to uh, aggregate the information that you need in order to build that. So he's saying that if, if kids really are, you know, leading by interest, learning by interest, that those disciplines will, will come into play. Um, now, you know, he says that, but the, the challenge is the fact that we don't have schools set up that way, right? And if we... If we homeschool, um, our kids, there's a limit to what resources we can provide, as well as a lack of other kids who are working together to make that project happen. 
And so, you know, I feel, and so when I was going through this, you know, and asking these questions, I really felt like my hands were tied. I mean, you know, I knew that, um, I, I feel ultimately that either you have a school around that does that, and then you have to have the money to be able to send your kids there, you know, which makes people just roll their eyes, right? Like, you know, only people with money can even play with these concepts, um, and, and it's not close, right? There's one in Houston and I don't even know if you guys have one, uh, in Ohio, there is one. It's, but it's up in Cleveland. It's three hours. Right. Away. See, it's I mean, so could commute six hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Right. No way. And, um, I do think it's more possible if, you know, we lived in communities, meaning that like a communal living, you know, I, what I told Tiffany in our text session that, I watched this documentary, and it's one of the Scandinavian countries where it's more uh, where you find people living uh, in, let's say, it's um, almost like an apartment, right, with like a um, like an apartment complex, but it has this common area, and they they um, they cook, they take turns cooking, and and then dinner time, they all eat together. And, you know, the single mom who decided to move into one of these things, I think it's a lottery system. You may have to wait. Um, She had gotten divorced, and so she needed help. She lived, she moved in. She's able to go to work, and uh, people are taking care of her kids. There are other kids that her kids can play with of different ages. Um, And uh, her kids also do chores with other kids and learn to cook with other kids. And... Uh, are doing projects and and play with other kids. So I feel like, you know, the way that we live makes the idea of child-led education, I think, difficult to do. And so it brings in all these, um, uh, it kind of puts a spotlight on the problems that that we're faced with uh, in terms of you know, are we living healthy? Uh, you know, are is this is this really the optimal way to live? I'm not really sure. Um, and it brings up these ideas of individualized versus broad-based education, democratic mm-hmm. process versus top-down, hard skills versus soft skills, information-based versus experience and project-based, right? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think what you, you know, Chris, I think what you mentioned about the way we live makes a lot of sense, right? So even back to 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 the Peter Gray's concept of hunter gatherer days. Well, mm-hmm. in those days, people live in tribes and, and and in the community, right? You don't. It's you know, it's it's not even takes a village. It takes a tribe, right, to to raise right. every child, mm-hmm. and, and the child is always together. There's adults doing stuff with with the children almost constantly throughout the day, but it's not necessarily just your parents. It's, it's adults of, of from, you know, all across, right? Mm-hmm. Right, well, mixed skills, influences, yeah. Diversity of, of thinking and stuff, not one is directly teaching the, the, the children, but everyone is contributing in a just-in-time, you know, helpful uh, at that moment type of way, right? And so, so I can see a group of children engaging with a group of adults in that fashion you know, it's it's synchronous feedback given with guidance and so on and so forth. And we, we just don't, well, right now, for most of us, that's not how, how our day-to-day is set up. It's not, and I find that one of the biggest problems is that each parent is like reinventing the wheel. Each parent, 
Which is so ridiculous when you think about right. it. You know, we're all parenting, but we're each reinventing the wheel, meaning, you know, we're all kind of, you know, a lot of people just go by instinct, right? I'm tired. You know, I, I just need to get through the day. All right. Just send my cool. kids off, get home, just do your homework, you know, and or even the, the parents who are intentional and and patient, they're not really sure oftentimes what is the best approach, you know, to help their kids. Um, and so the struggle goes. Um, the, the, I think the concept behind this is education today, right, is completely geared, stru- designed, structured for for a you know industrialized society, and, and that's how it is, right? In an industrialized yeah. way, like my job is to make make that one widget. I just keep doing all the everything is compartmentalized, right? So you, know, you see, we doing the same thing, right? So so for our children, their education is compartmentalized. It's this versus that versus that. Whereas the, it sounds like the child-like uh, approach is a lot more integrated, a lot more a tinkering project-based. And while I'm doing this one thing, there's so many different elements involved. It includes math, it includes science, it includes a little bit of uh, arts, right? And so while you engage, children can find their different things and natural tasks and speciality can evolve from that as well. And then if you, on top of that, have a group of adults with different skills and background guiding them, interacting with them, then, you know, each one can play a different teaching role the moment that's needed. So, Faye, my my question for you, and then I want to ask Tiffany, um, is that, you know, what is a challenge for you? Because I know you have a lot of ideas about, um, you know, what may be optimal um, for your kids, but what happens when you try to implement? Because that's where a lot of people get stuck. Right, a lot of parents. I know. Well, the, the immediate way I think about it, and again, this is thinking from a younger one, it's probably better, easier to implement than, than older ones, right? And, uh, <clears throat> so, so my thinking right now is, uh, it's, it's about exposure, right? So maybe with with us parents thinking about different types of exposures for for the for the child, not necessarily forcing. Them, right and and design some kind of a games or interactions in certain areas some kind of mini projects and see how see how he does right? mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, work with them so you know could it be you know in, for, for science instead of just find different size science experiments and and play let him play right mm-hmm. and see how he does and help where we can uh, and you know, give give guidance here where we can. The same thing, right? And and so- somehow turn learning of math into uh, into a play playful mm-hmm. way of, of, of learning math, right? So how do we do that? He likes, you know, he, he likes transformers, like like all other transformers. Well, I have a bunch of transformers out and start, you know, having form forming fleets, right? Mm-hmm. And, and on competing side and build a battle around it. And then, you know, hey, how many tanks do we have on this side? How many trucks do we have on that? Do you need a plane? How many planes do you need? You know, those kind of things. For a five year old is perfect at his right age and, and encourage his his thinking that, that way. So I I can see doing that mm-hmm. uh, ourselves, right? Uh, but then if I fast forward to a fourteen year old, um gosh <laughs> right uh, oh how to prepare him, right? He's really started counting now. He needs to get good grades. And, and do we want to, you know, do we want to let him down the way of preparing him for, for college, for example? Now, if if he's a 14-year-old, it's a very clear view. I want to be a com- programmer, right? If he's very, like, I'm just really, really interested in 
in developing and develop a, a video game, and that's all I want to do. Forget college. Who cares about college? You know, I know how to code. Let me work with you, and we can just play. We can just build games all day long, right? That would be fine. I think that would be good for this 14-year-old because he already knows what he wants to do, what, what he's going to have fun in. For a 14-year-old who doesn't know how to do that, who doesn't have a pathway, like this is what I must do in life, right? Um, so then the, the, then the question come back to is still, you know, are we aiming for getting him into college? Then to do that, you have to you have to prepare him for getting good grades in the school required subjects, right? So uh, and, and that becomes a whole. Then you get, you have to play the game. That's really right. You have to play the game. Yes, I like how you put that. Yeah, I know a lot of people are playing the game, and I think when they look at this child-led thing, uh, play-based education, you know, they just go, "Well, yeah, it's not going to work in the real world." So. But Tiffany, I mean, you're also at the beginning, right, with um, Bryn being really right. little. Um, so I want you to, you know, tell me, does that come into play, this idea of she's still young, so, you know, you don't really have to think about the reality. But I don't know, maybe you are, you know, thinking about the reality of college and whether she's going to get in and, you know, uh, and but she's got a long way to go. And if if homeschooling right. and this idea of, you know, our, our, you know, creativity is more important than, you know, just skill-based. Maybe colleges, you know, there are some that are relaxing uh, and, and saying, well, you know, you don't have to take the SAT uh, to, to come to our school. Maybe you just pick a college that actually fits your child rather than make your child fit the school. So, um, so I do want to peel back a little bit because the way that, the, the, because I feel like some of what is, I think the, the assumption is made that that children won't cultivate the same skill sets or have the same knowledge. And I would almost challenge it to say that they will, but it would be in an unconventional way. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I don't think that the learning isn't there. I think that the capacity for learning here in this approach is almost mind-numbing. The problem is how do you, from what I understand so far, is how do you do that in a society where we have so much limitation on on how we do things? Um, Because we are very much so, there's a right way to do things, there's a wrong way to do things. This is, you again, very simple thing. You don't climb up the slide, you go down the slide. You do this, you do that. and we're basically saying, hey, don't stay in the cube. O- open the cube up. Maybe it's a hexagon. <laughs> People are thinking, what? <laughs> no, no, let's get back in the cube. Let's put those little squares back in place. And to the question that I, you were asking, which is what I have been thinking a lot about, is how do you implement childhood learning? On a simple level, I like my house clean and orderly child-led learning can be a little bit difficult when your child decides to make paper airplanes and cut and yes my three-year-old does make paper airplanes and uses regular scissors and um cuts all of her hair off and uh you know I've got paper shreds and hair all over my house 
you yeah, know, or who has on the stock paint all over the place. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. What do you do? My child, we, 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 remod- we put a lot of money into remodeling our kitchen and your child wants to splash paint for some type of creative inspiration. And I know the cost of paint that won't come off. Am I okay with this? The answer to that is no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. In a hunter-gatherer situation where you're outside, you could splash paint wherever you want, and there wouldn't be a monetary cost to that necessarily. But I'm sitting here thinking that cabinet over there costs how much money, and we're going to make it aquamarine when it's a bright white. Well, I want it to stay white. Or throw up yellow. I don't want yellow. it to be aquamarine or yellow <laughs> or purple. I don't want a polka dot kitchen. But where is that line? Well, maybe her room. Telling my child. Maybe she can do it in her room. Maybe on a wall, right? Right. Right. Well, see, there is the that is the question. Right. Do you create a space? Yes. But that's still a limitation. I'm still I'm still saying, hey, I'm putting in a line on where because what is child led child led learning is self at the core of it self exploration. Where do we put a line on your self-exploration in relationship to the community as a whole, as really in relationship to my own personal needs and in the needs of the environment? And Mm -hmm. the the, the, the struggle that I have is we are in in a system where we thrive on efficiency. We we have come up with these systems which are beautiful because they make us more efficient as humans but are we stifling learning and creativity through that process of efficiency mm-hmm. i mean time management is it, we we rave about time management we put we elevate this concept to such a, a high level but what is lost in the process there like coming back on this in the book they talk about the kids picking when they go to bed i'm sitting here thinking give my child free free autonomy around her personal schedule how do i manage that that doesn't work in my current construct Mm -hmm. i like to get up at a certain time every morning and and you know i need a break in the middle of the day so you need to relax for a bit but if, if you're completely dictating your schedule well now I have squiggles, you know, a squiggly life. There's no consistency. There's no order. There's no structure. And how do I, how do I manage in that when I'm so accustomed to routines, order, structure, certain timeframes for things? How do you even get anywhere on time mm-hmm. if there's no structure? And I, I think that, I, yeah. And uh, I do think, questions. right. And I do think that child led, um, if I may, you know, interpret is is not that it's uh, cacophony, right? That they're that they get to right. call the shots about everything. It's that their learning right. is child led. So even those schools that are uh, child led, you know, you get to school on time, right? You right. Uh, and some don't. Some do allow right. them to come in during a certain window. Uh, but when they get there, you know, they do have goals for the day that they need to lay out. Right. And then they're guided, right, right by guides uh, in their right. in their learning. So, you know, I do I think that there is um, there is structures just that that structure can be um, modified so that the child right. has a say in it. And so it's it's this question of, you know, for us, you know, it's a question of how much. So, you know, I'll give an example yeah. And then um, we can spend the last five minutes 
<clears throat> here so that we can close the show around 40 minutes. But I think the last minute's talking about, five minutes talking about, um, you know, examples of how each of us has, you know, tried to do that. Tiffany, you gave um, uh, an example. You know, I'll give one example. My kids, um, they are cleaning. They're cleaning the house, um, uh, the lower level this week, and they're getting an allowance for it. But um, what I told them is that, okay, this is, uh, this is what I want. Um, today, you know, you've chosen to do this. You've decided you're going to clean these two rooms, these two areas. Well, you can do that. Um, you must work together. You're not done unless they don't have to work together, but they're not done until they're both done, um, until the room is clean. And it can be that one person decided to do all of it, but none of them can get on electronics until the rooms, whatever that area is, is completely done. Um, and so what happened was that the youngest was waiting around all day for the oldest to get around to doing it. And the oldest kind of led the youngest one on to believe that it was going to be done. And, you know, at the end of the day or toward the end of the day around dinner time, uh, the oldest let the youngest know that, well, I just don't feel like doing it today. So the youngest is now angry and kind of passive aggressive and is shooting nerf bullets right at his brother and trying to kick him and the other one gets him in a headlock so they end up in in a you know kind of a fight and so this is an example of how so ultimately they worked it out um the oldest decided that okay fine you know we'll we will clean um and what they both learned from it is um that you know in order for the, the ultimate goal is that they have to learn how to talk the other one into doing something so that 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 person can get the, you know, the benefit that they want. They want to he wants to get on electronics that night. And the oldest thought he didn't care about getting electronic privilege that day until he realized that he actually did. And then he needs his brother to get it done. And also, if he makes his brother, if he pisses him off too much, maybe the next time he's going to get revenge. Right. And so, you know, I think that's an example of how, you know, five years ago I would have said, all right, you do this and you do this. And then what would have happened is I would have had to then go check on each one and then make that person go back and do something again. Whereas I told them when you're both done, you should probably check each other's work because when I come and check, if it's not done well, well, you lose your privilege. And so they were accountable to one another. So they had to learn teamwork by virtue of that. And so I think this is the these are a kind the kinds of things that we can do to, you know, to incorporate the nurturing of those soft skills. Right? And uh, that they need so much in order to thrive in the society where, you know, instead parents are taking away the challenge from the kids. Like taking away the opportunity for them to learn how to do these things that they're not really learning how to do at school, right? School's all about efficiency. Get this done, get it done. Get this work done yeah. versus how to do it. So, you know, what's an example that you have, Faye? And then we'll we'll try to wrap it up. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, uh, I, I can just expand on, um, on so in, in, in our house, obviously the, the kids are also uh, expected to to do chores, right? So they have a, they're assigned chores, and typically in the morning, there's you know when they when when they're up, there's a there's a list of chores they have to do. We are not 
for the most part, you know, being uh, spelled out by when you had to do it, but it is that you had to finish your chores to for you to get uh, rewarded, if you will, or you can use electronics, play games, or, or you know, watch your favorite TV show, those type of things, right? Um, but but uh, it's a little bit different twist. It is uh, it is that they have their, their own list of chores to do, but often now the struggle here, right, is is the quality of it's not so much they don't do it and usually it's you know we we by midday or sometime in the in the mid-afternoon we're gonna say hey you guys still have these you know you things you haven't done yet and and they usually go do it uh for the most part every now and then there's a little bit of a nudging and and and, and fighting involved but for the most part they do it but it's always a quality of work right? mm-hmm. so it's a quality of work that's that's challenging Mm-hmm. to do and even if when we let them to to sort of check on each other right of mm-hmm. uh, the work and then then the, the, it's this usually they're very lenient on each other and <laughs> they never meet our expectations on that and then when you when you by the end of the day everyone's tired and stuff when you say no you really haven't done it yet go back and make sure you do quality work and this time we're just sending over them you're just is naturally down to a power struggle right so to me self that is another interesting is like well do you set up like what in the self-led environment do parents teachers you know the adults have certain expectations and how do you hold that expectation right mm-hmm. because not only just not only check the box do the work which is one thing but also how do you guide them down to a quality level of the work mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera, right how do you help them develop that sense of accomplishment and, and sense instead of just yeah i've done it what I've what I did with Maddox and then Tiffany I want you to give an example is that Maddox is my youngest so what I've done is with certain things that are not as important I've talked to him about this like you have to prioritize the things that are more important we can you know figure out what that is and those you know do well and the others you let go because you, you just can't do well with everything and that's not the way that life should be lived so I think that that's an important, uh, you know, skill to help them dis- or for them to think about and discriminating between, you know, what they need to do well and what they don't need to do well. And sometimes I explain to them, you know, the reason I'm hard on you about the yard when you do the yard is that there are certain things where we can use as a way to build the skill of I need to do this well, even if I don't like it. So if you help explain that to them versus being a hard ass about everything, right? Um, then I think they become a little more reasonable and understand um, at least you know my goal in doing that. So Tiffany, how about you? Um, an example of you know how you try to create the child led, but still you know in a, in a realistic way, you know within the confines of our of our structure, right that we all have to live by. Like you know you had mentioned that COVID is such a good example of how we as adults really hate. Are you there, Tiff? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. Of how COVID has really shown that we don't like being told what to do. And so it really helps us to understand how much our kids don't like being told what to do. But we need to do it. Wear your damn face mask. Yes, that is me getting on my my, uh, little soapbox. But yeah, do it anyway. And that's just, that is, that is a really valuable thing. All right. I mean, like my kids, you know, listen, I know you don't like to do this thing, but you know, you can't always do only the things that you like to do. For the sake of everybody. But anyway, so how do you, you know, give us a quick example. So I'm trying to think of an example. Um, You you told us about puzzles the other day. Although that was her figuring it out. 
like her seeing outside of the box. Like she figured out how to work a puzzle or a letter. She substituted the letter. No, 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 the letters. Yes. Okay, so that is a good example. Yeah. And that won't lead me down a rabbit hole. So okay. Yes. Um. So going with the child with child led learning, I, I we I do operate quite a bit as much as I'm always thinking how is this all going to work. I I do try to. Um mirror or follow her lead with a lot of things and in the kitchen I have a magnet board with letters and it's just a place for her to explore her letters and um, you know she's three so she's beginning to graduate from just letter recognition to you know figuring out that these things make sounds form letters you know and then off off we go um and she decided to make her name with just the letters of the alphabet her name is Bryn B-R-Y two N's um and there are not two N's in just the alphabet you would need an extra N which was not an option for her um so she comes to me and says mom look I can rotate the letter Z and it looks like an N Mm -hmm. and then I've got Bryn and I said that's great and my role was just to sit back and talk to her about placement of letters because she recognizes all the letters. The placement may not be a, an area that she has figured out, but it's a conversation. Oh, you know, what's the first letter in your name? And, and then going from there. But again, the child-led learning was just, I, I was in the kitchen cleaning. She expressed a curiosity in something, and I would, chose to be present in that moment and mirror her interests mm-hmm. and carry it on from there and, and just having a conversation around, mm-hmm. um, around, you know, basically spelling out her name. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's fun to do it like that. It's, it's really neat to watch someone else's curiosity and learning. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, well, I want to wrap up the, um, our, uh, interesting discussion um, by um, saying that I think the best thing that we can do is to ask questions. Um, I think it starts there. Um, asking questions uh, uh, really helps us to just stop and think um, about uh, whether what we're doing uh, is, first of all, um, you know, is this is this hurting my kid? Is it hurting our relationship? Um, and, and then, you know, so those are some of the basics. And then if you, and then in other ways, you know, when you ask questions, you're just creating the room for uh, opportunities to keep learning even fun, right? Um, because we're all so structured these days and, you know, we're having to, to operate within uh, our society the way it is, um, you know, inviting in the opportunity to do something new and fresh, I think is, is really valuable. So, um, so hopefully our listeners can leave today with some ideas uh, around uh, creating an environment of learning at home that is more satisfying versus just a lot of struggling when we're all kind of cramped together, uh, not only in learning, but just, you know, in, in, in life every day these days because of the pandemic. So I felt like it was a really important discussion. And Leslie and I are actually going to try to do an episode on homeschooling and on some ideas for homeschooling since she continues to homeschool 
Uh, even though I have stopped, it was only two years ago, and I still have ideas about uh, uh, my ideas about what made homeschooling great for us and why I loved it. Uh, and why I went uh, chose to send the, the the kids back. But thank you so much, Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Brown. Yes. Thank you so much to my brother-in-law, Fei Shu, for joining me today in this awesome discussion. And I'm sure we'll have you back on. So take care of yourself during this pandemic, right? Yep, you too. Thank you. Thanks, fun. guys. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.